Welcome to the Federal Retirement Podcast. My name is David Rates, and I'm here with Gary Rates. In this episode, we will be discussing how interest rates can potentially affect your retirement and what you should know about investing in I-bonds. This discussion is part of our monthly Lunch and Learn series. To join these discussions live, you, you can visit Benchmark Financial Group website at bfgkc.com and register to take part in the discussions. Also, be sure to listen until the end to learn how to make sure your retirement is on the right track. Let's get started. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, uh, to this month's call. Like Patty was saying, kind of a pertinent topic, well, not kind of really a pertinent topic on the top of everyone's mind lately. It's obviously been inflation since we're seeing those numbers nipping at like 40-year highs. And it feels like we've been getting a lot of calls from clients, just folks in general, inquiring about it. So we thought it'd be worthwhile to touch on some of the pros and cons of, of I-bonds over the course of this month's call. So. That is the topic for the day. All righty. So this first slide is the same as it always is. It's just a normal disclaimer that's saying that we're trying to be as accurate as possible with the information that we're providing to you, but we're not making any guarantees about anything. So, all righty. So what are I-bonds and are they right for you? So I-bonds are U.S. Treasury securities that have been around since the late 90s. They're bonds issued by, like we were saying, the U.S. government. So the risk of default is pretty much zero. So the one thing to keep in mind about that is that you, you pay a little bit of a premium to get a bond that's issued from a, an entity that has a, a zero risk of default. That's not a bad thing. It's just something to be aware of when you're you're weighing the landscape of, of all the places that you can hypothetically invest money. But the main goal of an I-bond is to protect your money or the purchasing power of your money from declining due to inflation. So in periods like we're living through today, I-bonds are a pretty darn good place to be invested just because it's the main goal is to have an interest rate that, that keeps up with inflation. So it tracks the consumer price index. So anytime the basket of goods and services they use to calculate the consumer price index goes up, uh, the interest rate on, on I-bonds that you're, you're getting goes up too. So they, they earn an, an interest rate that's fixed for the life of the bond and an inflation-adjusted interest rate that is adjusted twice a year, once in May and once in November. So I want to say the last, the last interest rate that's getting paid on I-bonds this year was like 7 and then in November, it's supposed to go to like 9% and change. But the caveat, one minor little caveat, is that investors can only buy up to $10,000 in I-bonds annually. You can purchase another $5,000 per year with money that's coming back from your tax return. You have to fill, fill out a special form to do that. But So the maximum annual I-bond purchase amount is $15,000 per person or per social security number. So one of the things that we, or I guess one of the, one of the calls that we've been getting from folks is, in a nutshell, you can't just like take your entire TSP balance or a larger chunk of money and invest it all in I-bonds in like one felt swoop. It's really, it's an investment that you make over the course of time. Like if you're doing $10,000 or $15,000 annually over the course of several years, that can build up to be a pretty, pretty healthy and a pretty nice balance. But the idea where you, you can't just take like all your money today and put them in I-bonds and sit on them, so to speak. So there's a, there's a cap on, on what you can put in every year. So it's something to keep in the back of your mind. Important little caveat. So what are the potential cons for, for an I-bond purchase? 
you got to hold the I-bond for at least one year before it can be cashed in. And you got to cash it in directly with the U.S. Treasury. So you, you can do it with the Treasury Direct website, but you can't buy or sell them in secondary markets. So you can't buy or sell them stock exchange or anything like that. So it's, that one's not necessarily a major issue, but it, it certainly cuts into, I guess, the liquidity of, of what you're using the money for. So I, I guess in a nutshell, if you're earmarking a chunk of money to go into I-bonds, you kind of have to earmark that chunk of money to be invested in those bonds over a longer period of time because it's it's not like you can you can buy them today and sell them tomorrow and get your money back easily without having to give up some of the the benefits that you you got from investing in those I bonds. So, like we were saying, you, you got to buy and sell them directly from the U.S. government. You must hold the I bond for at least five years to receive all the interest that's due. So, which isn't necessarily a, a major concern if you're you're banking on having your I bond investments be be invested in those I bonds for a long, long, a relatively long period of time. So somebody keep in the back of your mind when you're kicking around what to do with I bond purchases. But if you cash it, if you cash in your I bond between the second and fifth year after after purchase, Uncle Sam climb claws back three months of interest. So that's something to to keep in the back of your mind as well. So anytime between the, the second and year, third year of purchase, if you cash them in directly through the US, US Treasury website, uh, you're gonna give up a little bit of interest to do that. And the one other variable that's that's important to note that, so like in periods of time that we're, we're dealing with right now when inflation's nipping at a 40 year high, the, the interest that's getting credited to those bonds is pretty robust, but going forward into the future, if you're in a deflationary environment, that the interest rate is fixed. So like when you hear the, the buzzwords, if it's paying 7% right now, it's going to pay 9% at some point in the near future. That's just t- today's interest is getting credited, but it's not necessarily going to be 7 or 9% for the entire duration of the bond for 20 or 30 years, because they're initially set up to be 20-year bonds that you can stretch out for another 10 years for a total of 30. So that being said, like we were saying a second ago, you, you just bank on the fact that that interest is, isn't necessarily guaranteed. It's a variable rate of interest that, that fluctuates depending on what's going on with interest rates and the consumer price index. So important little caveat there. How can changes in interest rates affect retirement? Well, it is true that everyone's situation is uniquely theirs and it should be you really need to tailor things to, to what your goals are. Like we were saying, I mean, if you're kind of banking on your IBUN purchases being spread out over the course of several years going forward into the future, that's probably the best way to leverage IBONs. You can't like do a, a big felt swoop purchase easily. But if you're, you're diligent about it and you, you, you kind of squirrel away these chunks of money knowing that they're, they're earmarked for some point later on down the road, you can you can use those I bonds to and maximize what what they're designed to do. So and focus on long term goals is key. It, that that's always key. Like you're saying, it's it's I bonds aren't aren't quite as liquid as as a lot of folks would like them to be. But that's the caveat that you you give up some liquidity for the other features that you're getting with those I bonds. But you know there there are other vehicles that can provide some inflationary protection, but not necessarily cap you on the purchase amounts. They might not be paying quite as robust rates of interest, but 
when you get a little bit more liquidity with money, that's not a bad option either. So a lot of times when we're working with folks on investment strategies, right now we're using uh, treasury inflation protected securities, which are also U.S. US Treasury securities, but you can get those in an exchange traded fund. So it's it's a little bit easier to get access to investing a, a larger chunk in the Treasury inflation protected securities. But that's just by virtue of the fact that you can have those invested in a exchange traded fund, for instance, that is invested in treasury securities that you can buy and sell any day the, the stock market's open. So and then avoiding rash decisions and staying calm is important. That's in today's world that is utmost. So you don't necessarily want to make an emotional decision and, and sell at a low point and take your money and put in cash because you're not going to have any avenue to recoup any, any losses that you're feeling today going forward. So just keeping in mind the fact that investing, investing money is, is in terms of an investment strategy tends to be a long-term, long-term duration of time. So I was, I have the thought that occurs to me over and over when we talk about I bonds is, is particularly when you're talking about retirement planning is where would I use this? Well, it would be money that you just really don't think you're going to spend. But candidly, I think the best place is, is people get into the situation of retirement and they have a pretty good idea what they want to do with each other as far as beneficiaries and taking care of uh, finances and that type of thing. And then they have an idea of what they might want to do with their children. But I see this as being a place where grandchildren would be a great market because you can you can make donations to these each year. There's they have to stay, they have to stay invested for quite some time. And at some point in time, this grandchild's going to get this money and they're going to remember the person that uh, bought it for them. And I think that satisfies a particular part of estate planning that Sometimes people walk away with a uh, concern as to what they're going to do with other heirs and their families. And that's where I see this as a great opportunity. Because you could make a strong argument that, you know, $10,000 gift that, that's making a 7 or 9% interest rate this year is not a bad option compared to 529 plans or other college savings vehicles or, or just gifts in general. So that, that legacy planning component becomes an important one to kick around when you're you're weighing the pros and cons of, um, you know, what to do with the potentially an I bond. So like we were saying, it's, it's not like a, as a retiree, you can take like a larger chunk of money and invest it all in I bonds. So how, how can you create a strategy if, if you're retiring in the near future? So this is, this is one of the topics that we always talk, touch on, but if you're looking to bounce some ideas off of somebody or just get the ball rolling with putting a strategy together. Now is as good a time as any to, to get the ball rolling. So when, when we're meeting with folks, it's usually at least a two and sometimes three and four step process. But our, our first meeting, always it's always in a fact-finding mission where we're, we're information gathering and sharing. And we just try to get an idea of, of what your financial snapshot is looking like. So a lot of times we send you a list of just identifying pieces of info to gather and start the start the ball rolling from there. Then the second meeting, we take all the information we talked about on the front end, put together a written plan for you that just breaks down each piece of the pie. And sometimes that needs to get adjusted. So we always call the first first go around version one, but oftentimes it morphs into version two or three by the time people get things actually set the way that they want them to, to be set. But you know, it's an important decision when you're 
weighing the pros and cons of what to do with with all these different investment vehicles or what what kind of income streams you want in retirement relative to what your plans are for retirement so and then in subsequent meetings it's just a matter of refining refining the investments or the investment accounts that we're managing with people refining the investment strategies life has a tendency to change so a lot of times when people are weighing the pros and cons of what to do about you know some rogue expenses that crop up it's always nice the resource information to bounce ideas off of so we spend a lot of our time doing that too so and today's example is is really just an opportunity within an estate to do something that you maybe didn't think you were capable of doing but you can you can create an account that can grow to be pretty substantial by the time it's available for the person to take it's just that right now this is not the investment that we think that the retiring couple or, or person are gonna are gonna take advantage of it's it's their family members that really that they're trying to get into this process and in in some instances it's also them too where we find I find most of the people are looking for resources and money so they can they can maintain their standard of living and that's that's the number one thing so getting that first meeting and gathering data is important the second meeting is just a written presentation of of what we thought we heard and and subsequent meetings become much more refined. And the thing that's really appealing is, is that for our clients is, is that they, they carry these manuals with them. So as we update them, the, there's always a record of where they've been and where they're headed. But like dad was saying a second ago, one of the catalysts for having this specific topic was feeling a call from a client who wanted to liquidate everything and everything invested in the i bonds we had to we had to tell them that i mean in a perfect world yeah that would be a fantastic thing to do given today's market conditions but you can't you, you can't do that even if you you wanted to do that so we thought it was pertinent to just touch on some of the main bullet points of of these specific u.s treasury bonds so about any questions we do welcome questions so feel free to unmute and ask or type them in the chat box and any any questions whether it's related to i bonds and interest or something else i know a question that we often get is you know when how far out should a person start planning for retirement well it's never too early to start i would I would say if folks are eyeballing retiring from the federal government, you definitely want to get your ducks in a row as early as possible, just because there's a lot of there's a lot of decisions that need to be made. So the idea would be when you get to the point of actually hitting that final day, you've weighed the pros and cons of what to do with each piece of the pie. So that process can take a little bit of time. And you know, and it is true, the earlier the better, because you if you're if you got a few years to go until you're you're actually going to be your retirement date. You don't want to be one of those folks that gets 20 years down the road and goes, well, I wish I would have known that piece of information 20 years ago. So even when you're earlier on in the in the overall spectrum, it's not a bad time to just start the process because it's it's a matter of knowing how all the puzzle pieces fit together and then there aren't any unpleasant surprises. But it usually takes a few times of of reviewing everything before, you know, the the caveats of how each of those puzzle pieces fit together start to stick. I would say it's like 
when you get the ball rolling, it feels like it's trying to, you're trying to drink from a fire hose, but more and more times that you review everything, pieces start to stick a little bit better than they did the first time that you looked at it. So we're of the opinion that the end of this year is going to be filled with a lot of people that want to retire those that are eligible and those that are tired. <laughs> and so we would tell you that normally if you can get everything done and be and have your paperwork ready to go 90 days before you retire, that's great. But some people can't do that. And some people prefer to have a longer period of time. We have a person that's retiring at the end of the year that's already got his paperwork submitted. And he's had it there for probably 90 days now, I would guess, hasn't he? And yet tonight we have someone that we, we met uh, a week ago and, and she's going to retire the June 30th. And we don't really see any complications. It's just everybody's a little different. And if you like to plan, you can have your plan put together. If it changes, it changes. But at least you have the base started. Or you can wait until the last minute because we... We've done a few of these and can help you through it. The biggest question is, or the biggest thing is, is, is that you, if you're ready to retire, it's, it's not enough just to think about it. It's better to make sure you are getting all the pieces done. So give us a call if you, if you can. So there is that question. I, and it is, I missed the very beginning of the presentation. I'm assuming there is a maturity or ending date for the bonds. 20 yeah, years, right. et cetera, what yeah, happens? Right. So they're initially built on a 20-year duration for the I-bonds, but they give you the option to stretch them out for an additional 10 years. So in a nutshell, it's kind of like a 20-year treasury bond that has inflation protection components built in, but you can stretch that 20 years to 30 years. So, But it's important to keep in mind that as the... As a bond, the longer the duration that the bond has, the more sensitive it is to changes in interest rates. So that idea of when you start to get into a deflationary environment, it tends to have a ripple effect. So it's just something to keep in the back of your mind. But initially, like you were saying, initially they're designed to be 20-year bonds that you can add an extra 10 years to. Any other questions, Patty? I don't have any. All righty. Well... Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you have any other thoughts or any other questions that crop in your mind, don't hesitate to give us a call or shoot me an email or go to the website and submit uh, that question, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. But it was great talking with you guys this month, and we hope to see you guys again some point in the near future. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's topic. If you're looking for assistance to get your retirement on the right track, set up an appointment with us today. You can schedule an appointment online by visiting our website, bfgkc.com, or you can email me at david.rates at bfgkc.com. The contact information will also be listed in the description. By setting up a complimentary consultation, we can review your financial situation and develop a plan to meet your financial goals.